Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So it's Thursday afternoon. Welcome, welcome. It is fresh thinking time. You are with Rabbi Shishler as we do every week at this time. Talking, engaging, Interacting, conversing You know the rules of the game You're welcome to participate at any time You can call in uh, Although I think the Are we still having issues with the with the lines? Not sure Maybe yeah, we're still having issues with the lines Okay, don't call in Don't call in We'll have to resort to what everybody does best Which is texting So, SMS is to 34519 If you don't yet have the Chaifem WhatsApp number Stored in your phone Now would be the time to do it on 0621482374. Then, of course, there is our whole social media following. So you can tweet at Chayfem. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. And occasionally, time from time to time, we get an email on air at chayfm.com. So at any point in the conversation, it is your conversation. It is our conversation. You're part of it. You steer it. You participate. You make it happen. So take that opportunity and use it really, really well. Now, next week is Tisha and I think it's pretty expected that any rabbi who gets behind the microphone at this time of the year is most likely going to be talking about Tisha B'Av. And that's a little depressing. I mean, it's a depressing topic. It's a depressing time of the year. And to be honest, I, I feel like, yes, let's talk about it and not talk about it all at the same time. And what do I mean by that? How do you talk about it and not talk about it at the same time? Well, I think whenever people look at the topics around Tisha B'Av, destruction of the temple, what happened in Jerusalem all those thousands of years ago, we think that that's it. That's the focus. That's what it's all about. That's that's what we need to talk about. That's what we need to obsess with. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. In fact, it's pretty clear in Jewish law that there are rules around these things. And there's a particular headspace that you're supposed to be in at this time of the year. But having said that, there's another side to Tisha B'Av. And that is there's a side of hope. The reason we're still doing Tisha B'Av 2,000 years down the line, and we haven't yet thrown our hands up in uh, acceptance and said, oh, well, this is just how it is going to be. This is the status quo that we'll just be an exiled nation is the greatest statement of hope. The fact that we're still mourning the loss of the of the base Hamikdash of the temple is not just because we can't let go. It's because we really do believe that it's going to turn around and that uh, it will be restored. And with that, a new kind of peace and a new kind of harmony that will come to the world. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today. This topic of Moshiach. Spoken about from time to time Probably not as much as it should be And for many, many people Mashiach is some kind of a pipe dream It's some kind of a far-fetched abstraction Which is just there, I suppose To keep our chins up In the face of all kinds of difficulties You look at our history And so many Jewish people went to their deaths In the most brutal circumstances With the words Animamin, Which means I believe I believe in the coming of the Mashiach And you, you, you think about it And you think, how did they have that kind of faith? How could it be in the face of such incredible adversity that people still kept their heads? So I'm inviting you, because I think it's a topic 
which has all kinds of misinformation around it. What do Jewish people really believe about this whole concept of Mashiach? So I'd like to invite your questions. How's that? We haven't done that uh, for a long time. Your FAQs, your frequently asked questions, or your biggest bugbear, or your your greatest curiosity, it's that question that you've always wanted to ask about this notion of Mashiach. And for one reason or another, perhaps you've never gotten to ask it. Maybe you're a little bit shy and he has a great anonymous opportunity because, as we know, many, many people who text into the show don't sign their names. So you, you have an opportunity here to ask those questions. Maybe it's something which you don't feel is necessarily relevant, and maybe that's even your question. Is Moshiach relevant? Or maybe you think that Moshiach is just the unfolding of modern living. That a lot of what was predicted or what was called messianic might well just be the advent of technology. Or maybe you have a question about why do we need Mashiach or what should we be doing to get Mashiach here. I don't know. Let's make this on the one hand, intriguing, interesting, and informative. And on the other hand, a little bit of fun. What are your big questions about Mashiach? Three, four, five, one, nine, if you'd like to SMS at one rand fifty and SMS or WhatsApps for free, oh six two one four eight twenty three seventy four, your big Mashiach questions. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from two to three PM. One oh one point nine high FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of power. So there you go, we're talking today about Moshiach. Uh, it's better than talking about Tisha B'Av only from the perspective of everything that went wrong and the mourning of the destruction of the temple. Let's talk about also the, the hope that Tisha B'Av brings with it and with it this topic of Moshiach. I think it's something that everybody knows about. We know that it's very much part of Judaism and it's very much part of the Jewish narrative that there's going to be a messianic age and there's going to be a better world and we're internal optimists. And it's all very nice, but I think there are a lot of cloudy areas that people just don't understand. For example, how do you know that it's for real? How would you know if this Mashiach, and let's put it in quotation marks for now, but if, if a Mashiach had to arrive today, how would you know who it is? That might be one of your questions. I mean, we've had incidents in our history with charlatans who claimed that they were Messianic candidates, and they built up a whole lot of hope and then nothing really came of it. So there's one perspective. Here's another question. I'm going to throw this out. Let's say that you are, you buy it. You're, you're on board. You believe the Mashiach concept as every Jew is meant to. It's one of the 13 principles of faith according to the Rambam, according to Maimonides. It's part of the prayer service in many communities. It's something, uh, I'm saying the 13 principles of faith. In addition to which, it's something that we speak about in our prayers multiple times a day, every single day. We even have various customs that we practice still till today that are customs related to the coming of Mashiach. So perhaps one of the questions, and I'd like to throw this out as well. So I'm inviting your questions if you have any question about Mashiach. Here's the time, hoping I'll have the answers. Um, but uh, my question to you is, so what could we do? To speed it up, because uh, the first tweet that's come through over here, I don't know if I should actually say who tweeted it or not. First tweet that came through over here was, okay, here's a question. Who is he? I'm saying any questions about Moshiach, right? Who is he? Why is he late? And what has been he been doing all this time? Hashtag not kidding. No, I'm not kidding either. I think those are really, really, really good questions, right? Who is Moshiach? Why is he so late? What's been he been doing all this time? Okay, that's a good question. Let's see if we can possibly iron that one out. But I'm asking you the question as well. What could we be doing, if anything, 
to speed the process up, to make sure that Mashiach gets here sooner. Or I'll ask you a different question. Do you feel that at this point in history, we are closer to or further from the Messianic age? And, and don't give one-word answers like, yes, we are, or no, we're not. But why? Why would you say? What would make you feel that we're closer to the Messianic age? And what would make you feel that we're farther from the Messianic age? I'm really curious. I'd like to hear what it is that people think. I believe that there's a tremendous amount of ignorance and a tremendous amount of misinformation around this whole Mashiach topic. And it is or should be a hot topic. So it's something it's something to talk about. It's something that we should focus on. Here's another thing, perhaps just to to put into the mix. You know, when you look around and you, you see what's going on in our world, you get two very divergent views. You get those people who say the world is falling to pieces, and it's just a matter of time before we totally implode or explode, whichever particular one it happens to be. And that's in terms of the climate. It's in terms of the foods that we eat and the diseases that are in, around in the world, or just simply the breakdown of society, threats of terrorism, whatever it is. Uh, family breakdown. And then there are other people who say, but look, the world's becoming a fin- fantastic place. Look at the, the, the progress that we've made in medicine. Look how we understand more about the physical reality that we live in. Look at how better off the average person lives today than the average person lived a hundred years ago, certainly 200 years ago. So it's an interesting debate and it brings me to a question which I think many, many people, and I suspect that this will come up in our conversation because I'm asking, you know, how do you know if we're closer or further? I suspect that part of it that would come up in the conversation is there is a perception out there that in order for Mashiach to come, the world's got to be really brilliant, like things have to improve, and then Mashiach will be the like the final stage in that improvement. And there's a perception out there where people say the exact opposite, that the world's going to be on the brink and much like, I suppose, the Jews as slaves in Egypt, if they had stayed one moment longer, it would have been game over. Last minute, God swoops into action, does all these miracles, pulls us out of the quagmire, and everything's fine. And I think some people believe that the same kind of thing is due to happen when Moshiach comes. So let's get the juices flowing. Let's get the conversation going. I'd like to hear your perceptions. Again, you've got the option to, to send things in anonymously. One interesting thing that I've discovered over the last few weeks just speaking to people is how people have views. People hear the show and you, and you have a view. And then you just don't get around to sending it. But that's exactly the point. We'd like to hear. I, I, I'd like to hear. I don't know about anybody else, but I certainly would like to hear what it is that you have to say. And if you're self-conscious, send it in without your name. You can't do that, obviously, on social media. But you can do that on the SMS line. And you can do that on the WhatsApp line. So those are the questions that we're going to try and address to some point or another. Either your questions about Moshiach or my questions, which are how do you know, not how do you know, are we drawing closer or are we moving further from the Messianic age. And my other question is, what should we be doing in order to speed things up? Now, the reason we're talking about this at this time of the year is really for two reasons. The one, as I mentioned before, is because we're coming up to the holiday, and I say holiday specifically because that's how it is recorded in Jewish literature, the holiday of Tisha B'Av. I know it's in Congress because it's a day of mourning, and there are various limiting mourning practices that we're supposed to practice from not only from Monday night when the fast begins, but even from Monday afternoon until Wednesday afternoon. 
because it's quite a lengthy, intense period of mourning. And that's over and above the mourning that we're already doing now. But having said that, Tisha B'Av, we're told, is the date of the birth of Mashiach. Now, whether that means physically, humanly, that the human being Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av, or as likely that the concept, that the possibility, that the potential for Mashiach was born on Tisha B'Av, doesn't really make a difference. It certainly links the theme. I also think a reason to be talking about this right now is because there's a lot of agitation happening right now in the epicenter of the Jewish world, namely in Jerusalem. And whenever there's agitation around Jerusalem, we have two options. We could look at it and say, "Mm, okay, stuff's happening and maybe people uh, are behaving badly or didn't handle situations well. And you can criticize this one for how they reacted and you can criticize that one for incitement and criticize that one for whatever, capitulation, whatever it is that you want to say. We have the choice to look at the world that way, or we have the choice to look at the world through Jewish lenses, which is what we're supposed to do. That's that's how we were schooled. That's how the Jewish community is supposed to live. That's what the Torah is there for, that we should read between the lines. We shouldn't only assess what's going on on the political arena or on the global stage and just say, like everybody else, this is what's happening. We're going to get an analyst and they'll tell us it's because of this and that tension that happened before in this history and so on and so forth, which might all be valid. But as Jewish people, we're supposed to look and say, hang on one second. There's a very great significance to the timing of this. This is all happening at a very uh, sensitive time on the Jewish calendar around about Tisha B'Av, the commemoration of having lost that Temple Mount in the first place, having lost the Temple in the first place. And then again, of course, the location, anything that happens, it's like touching a nerve, anything that happens in a part of the world that is so central to us, that is so important to us, we dare not look at it without some dose or some insight or at least trying to make some kind of uh, relation to what it is that the Torah would say about that place or about that time of the year. Now, I'm not suggesting up here that we have all the answers. I don't believe that we have all the answers, but we have a requirement to try and understand just a little bit. And in my view, everything that goes on in the world is somehow linked to the Mashiach process. And the bigger the event or the closer to home, possibly the more it's linked to the Mashiach process. So let's talk about these things. And that's why I'm asking you, what do you think? What do you know? What do you want to know about Mashiach? Do you feel we're getting closer? Do you feel that we're pulling away further? Do you feel that events happening right now in Israel are signs of the dawning of Mashiach? Do you believe that these are things which are impediments to the coming of Mashiach? That maybe if people were a little bit more committed to Judaism and to what it represents, maybe we'd be closer. So what do you think about those things? It's quite a lot to talk about. So you have way open opportunity over here to share your thoughts by text on 34519 on WhatsApp 0621482374 or tweet at ChaiFM unless you want to tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So this reminds me a little bit of a story that happened to me a few years ago. I was uh, sitting on a panel with a number of different people, and there was a, an audience who's, uh, who had the opportunity. You could ask anything that, that it is that you wanted to ask, and it was on any subject. Of, of Judaism and and people of course became very very self-conscious because they did not want to be caught out uh, you know that not knowing something or whatever so we allowed anonymous uh, postings people could write something down on a piece of paper and they could send it up and interestingly when it came to the topic of Mashiach 
Some of the people didn't want to forget about ask the question. Some of the people didn't want to answer the question. So I really hope that that's not what's happening over here right now today. But uh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about it regardless. My question is, how do you know or what do you think? What do you think it would take? Let's start with that. What do you think it would take to bring Mashiach? Right? I asked that question before, and that's why I wanted to start with that. Because there is a response over here. Well, there's actually a couple of responses. Um, it's so funny. We always have people that give these tongue-in-cheek answers. We're not going to go there. But here's somebody who says the total, Greg says, the total collapse of humankind. That's what it's going to take to bring Moshiach, the total collapse of humankind. Now, I'm not quite sure exactly what that means. Does that mean that we'll become completely narcissistic individuals and there'll be no collaboration of humankind? Is that what he's saying? Is that saying that technology will overrun us? And that we won't behave like humans anymore. We'll have some kind of singularity where we're half, we're like cyborgs, you know, some kind of uh, artificial intelligence that's implanted in us and we'll no longer be who we should be. Is it saying that there'll be some mega war which will destroy humankind? I'm, I'm really curious about that. As you know, that's the problem with these text answers is that you don't necessarily always know exactly what it is that a person means. So what do you think? What do you believe that it would take to bring Moshiach? Do you agree that it would take the total devastation of humankind? Hmm. It's a little bit, a little bit scary, I think, to, to think that way. And then here's an interesting comment. This comes from Romy. Um, my question was, do you think we're closer or further? Right? Are we closer to the Messianic Age or further from the Messianic Age? So Romy says over here, isn't there something in the Torah about if Donald Trump becomes president of the United States, Mashiach has to come and save us all? And then, of course, there's a, a one of those smiley icons. And then she says, but seriously, I'm not sure there's something in the air, but it could go either way. Would you agree with that? Do you feel that there's something in the air? Because that would be an interesting place to start. And how would you know what that something is? What's interesting, and it's not necessarily well publicized, but what is interesting is that there's a very decent amount of information in classic Jewish texts that describe what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to look like in the period just before Mashiach comes or close to the period when Mashiach comes. And if you test that and you see the... um or the, the predictions that are made, you can then look out your window or check your, your, your news, whatever your news source is and say, now d- does this match up? Are any of these things happening? And I'm not sure if people are even aware of what any of those predictions are. And if you are, share them with us because there are many different predictions. Some of them perhaps sound even to be contradictory. But there are many different predictions of what the world is supposed to be like close to the Messianic age. And once we can collate some of that information, it might actually be useful. Romy saying there's something in the air. It's nice to say, but it's not necessarily convincing, right? Something there. I, I give me tachlis. What's in the air? What, what are you referring to? What makes you feel that way? I know that there's definitely a sense that the world is in a very versatile, uh, volatile, I should say, and and um, almost watershed time in history. There's all kinds of change. There's change in leadership of countries. There are change, major changes in demographics of countries. There are major changes in the nature of how we live. 
most of it as a result of technology. So would those be the signs? Romy says there's something in the air that indicates that Mashiach is coming. My question is, can we drill that down? What, what does that actually mean? What, do, what for you, if you are somebody who's convinced that we're living on the cusp of the Messianic era, why? Tell me one thing, two things, something about the world that we live in that you think is going that way. You know, and in no particular order, for me, one of the things that, that resonates, and, and of course I'm going to put it out there, and it should be no surprise to you that I am absolutely in, in, in the headspace that it's happening, it's unfolding. This whole messianic thing is not some pipe dream, but it's in fact something which is unfolding in our world. And I'm reminded of a statement by the first Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Shnei Zaman of Liadi, where people asked him, you know, how will you know? How will you know when Mashiach is here? I think it's a disturbing question for most, remembering, of course, they lived, uh, that generation lived very shortly after the Shabtai Tzvi debacle, where you had an individual claiming to be Mashiach, and it was all bunk. So... The, it's really interesting that he made a comment that you'll discover, you'll know that Mashiach is here by reading it in the papers. Now, the implication over there is it's not one of these earth-shattering, completely supernatural transitions that one day, boom, you wake up and the world is turned upside down in your sleep and it's a whole different place. If it's something you read about in the news media... That would imply that it's a kind of natural transition, or it at least appears natural at the time. And technology certainly comes to mind when you think about it, because there are so many things that were predicted about the Messianic age. And I'm not suggesting for one second that technology equals Mashiach, because that would be wrong. It's uh, That's just simply not true. But uh, it might be that there we get our first samplings, a little bit of a taste of the Messianic Age. Some of the things that technology offers us today would have appeared miraculously not long ago. Some of them even 25 years ago would have appeared totally miraculous. I, I was thinking just of an example here today, you know, driving, I'm sure some of you are sitting in the car right now. And the concept of a driverless society right now seems just far-fetched, does seem far-fetched, but it could well be that it, as close as 10 years from now, it might be very normal. My autonomous cars might be very normal. In fact, not only autonomous cars, but I believe, I think it's Airbus, if I'm not mistaken, has this Uber drone concept that they're developing, which is essentially in the same way as you'd order an Uber, you'd order this little drone that would like a, a land in the nearest park or wherever there's a bit of space and you get on the single fly you to your location and that's it we won't have cars anymore so so society does change and life does change and what seems to be highly far-fetched could actually become quite normalized and that's something we have to consider when we have this conversation about the messianic age don't think that it's this major cue the drama music because the whole world is going to change overnight in some miraculous fireworks fashion could be a lot more subtle than that. So a couple of questions floating around right now. My question to you is, do you have any questions about Moshiach? Send them this way. I'm also asking you the question, do you think that we're closer or further, closer to or further from the Messianic age at the moment? And my other question is, what do you think it will take in order to bring Moshiach. And so your views, if you've just tuned in, you are with Rabbi Shishla on Chai FM at Fresh Thinking Hour. And we're talking today about what would it take to bring Moshiach. What is it that you would want to know about Moshiach? Send in your comments, your questions, and anything else that you have to share with us on 34519 or WhatsApp 0621482374. Quite a bit happening on social media if you want to join that conversation at Chai FM or you can 
tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. We have an unsigned SMS here that says, I suppose in response to my question, what would it take to bring Moshiach says, when baseless hatred is gone out of our hearts, acceptance of another Jew, no matter what their level is. Bingo. I think you're on the money. But I think the cynics will tell you that ain't going to happen. And then what? Does that imply that we could get stuck? Does that imply that maybe it will never come to be? Because we do know that the cause of the destruction of the temple and the resulting exile slash diaspora was baseless hatred. So yes, when we get rid of baseless hatred or we replace it with baseless love, that is undoubtedly first prize. That is the way to bring Moshiach. Question is, what if that doesn't happen? Then what? Are we stuck? Give that one some thought. Let me know what you think on 34519 or 0621482374. Meantime, while you're ruminating over that one, the Pie Works knows that you love their fresh baked delicious pies. So they have an extended, sorry, they have extended their meat free selection, especially during the nine days. So listen to this. You can get mushroom pies, vegetable pies, spinach pies, roasted vegetable pies. Are you hungry yet? So get to the Pie Works, and you can also take advantage of their meatless mushroom burger chips and coke special for just 60 rand. Tell them that Chai FM sent you, and if you give them this key phrase, you'll get an extra 10% discount. So here's what you've got to say. You've got to say, I love the pies at Pie Works. That's the Pie Works, which are at, uh, in the Sandringham Strip, 75 George Avenue, Sandringham. Pie Works is powered by Moose Brothers. Actually didn't know that. It's quite interesting. So there you go. Head off to Pyworks. Can't be a bad thing. Meanwhile, 29 minutes to 3 o'clock here on Fresh Thinking. This is usually where we start finding that people wake up and start sharing. So question is, well, I'm asking you four questions, but you can ask, you can answer questions as well. My question is, are we closer to or further from the Messianic age? My question is, what would it take? What would it take to bring Moshiach? SMS here saying, we have to get rid of baseless hatred. I'm asking, is that doable? I'd love to say yes, and I truly believe it is doable. I just think it's going to take so much effort. I don't want to say time because you never know. You have no prediction over time. And you never know what it is that's going to be the catalyst to get people to think differently. And maybe that's the answer. Maybe that is the answer. That something's going to happen that will be this great catalyst that opens people's eyes and then they look at the world differently. Then I'm asking you the question. Well, I'm asking you, I should say, I'm offering you the opportunity. If you have any questions about Moshiach, anything Moshiach related, go ahead, ask them now. I can't promise to have all the answers. Here we go, Adam. Adam obviously didn't hear the earlier, uh, the earlier tweet. Adam's question is, when is he coming? We've all got that same question, and I'm afraid that I don't think anybody necessarily knows the answer. And then, of course, you know what they say about Jews, right? If you have a question, a Jew will answer it with a question. So my question is, what will it take to bring Moshiach? And somebody's just sent back and said, good question. Thanks. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily help. Here's another unsigned SMS that says, from outside through looking the role does not reflect what is in the heart. Hashem looks at the motives of the heart. This is in Isaiah 
and or Tehillim. So, yeah, so I, I'm just trying to understand it. Is your suggestion that to help Moshiach come, we need to be more transparent, more real, have greater integrity? Is that the point? I agree. I think it's a great point. I think it's really, really important. Um, even not Pegged to Mashiach necessarily Just generally speaking The concept of, of working on integrity Is really really important So yes that's a good point I wanted to say it earlier And um, one of the one of the signs for me The Talmud says Gives a whole lot of different signs How do you know that you're living In the Messianic age One of the things that the Talmud says is There'll be this incredible explosion Of chutzpah in the world Now <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think that is such an apt description of the world that we live in right now. Chutzpah on all kinds of levels, all kinds of levels. You know, once upon a time, chutzpah used to simply be a young whippersnapper opening an audacious mouth to somebody with authority. That was considered chutzpah. Oh my gosh, the chutzpah, but who do you think you are? You're nobody, you're young, you're underqualified, and you're sharing an opinion. And imagine that. If that was the definition of chutzpah, possibly one of the definitions of chutzpah, call it 100 years ago, even 50, possibly 30 years ago. I think there might be people listening right now who can remember when they were at school and chutzpah was considered, if you spoke back to an adult, was considered chutzpah. Or if you shared an opinion when you weren't asked for an opinion and you were the junior in the situation, that was considered chutzpah. Now compare that to today. Today, everybody not only has an opinion, but has a platform to share it. In today's world, everybody, all you need is a phone. And there you go. You can put out whatever it is that you think about anything in any platform, and the whole world sees it. And what fascinates me, many things fascinate me about the social media space, because it's such an insight into what's going on in the collective mind. Somewhat disturbing, I might say. But what is interesting about the social media space is that you find people, say for example, here's, a, here's an example, you have the president of a country who has a presence on social media. You have some person who knows nothing about politics, knows nothing about the facts, they've read a couple of articles maybe online, if, if that, more likely they've just read the summarized version on somebody's Twitter feed or maybe even just the headlines, and it's one thing to have an opinion. It's another thing to directly attack, and this happens, directly attack the head of state in a particular place based on your whimsical view of the world. I mean, that's a whole different category of chutzpah. Or the chutzpah of people who perhaps don't have qualification and are not willing to put in the effort, which is a big deal. They're not willing to put in the effort to improve themselves to improve the world around them, and then have the chutzpah to call out everybody else on what they're doing. Or worse, people who behave in a way that is an unacceptable way to behave. Violence, dishonesty. And then have the chutzpah to call out people who behave with integrity and say, you're actually the problem. <laughs> so to me, that's one of the great signs that we're uh, in this messianic phase because the Talmud says exactly that. It says, a sign of Moshiach is an explosion of chutzpah. And boy, oh boy, do we have an explosion of chutzpah. Here's uh, Yvonne on WhatsApp saying, uh, 
I believe that we are very close to the time of Mashiach. From the time of the year 2000, there has been a significant change. 9-11 in America led to a domino effect bringing about Middle East instability. Israel's intifada continued terrorist attacks. From the year 2000, I've seen such a rapid decline in all things. Spiritual war in America between left and right, the EU migrant crisis, anti-Semitism on the rise. And so Ivan says, the cue and clue for the time of the end of this age. It's quite a lot of stuff. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if I would peg it necessarily in the year 2000. I haven't thought about it in that particular sense. Interesting. Um, for me, I, I kind of felt that there were some significant changes that actually happened in the early 90s that totally shifted the world. A lot of it very positive, by the way. Look at this country. Early 90s was very positive change. Uh, look at the Iron Curtain, very positive. So there, there certainly, certainly is a change in the world. So thanks for that, Yvonne. Um, Yvonne saying very much that we are getting closer. My question to you was, do you think that we're getting closer or do you think that we're getting further? My other question is, what could we be doing to speed the whole thing up? Because both Adam uh, earlier on social media and another tweet, which I shall keep anonymous for various reasons, said that uh, what's taking him so long, where, or as we would say collectively in Judaism, knew... So where are you? So my question is, is it in our hands? Is there something we should be doing? Is there something we could be doing? Do you think that it's getting closer? Do you think that's getting further? Yvonne, absolutely clear that we're living in that time. Yvonne, I'm with you on that one. Here's another unsigned SMS. says, so is getting every Jew to keep one Shabbos. Oh, okay, so this is, <laughs> I got it. So there was an earlier SMS uh, saying getting rid of baseless hatred is the way to prepare ourselves for Mashiach. And I said, is that doable? So in response, it's the same person sent in response. So is getting every Jew to keep one Shabbos, right? Because one of the things we're told, we're told that we'll bring Mashiach is get every single Jew to keep one Shabbos. And so that, that also sounds very difficult to do. So the SMS continues, but all is possible. It's the overwhelming desire, the personal need. And the passionality, is this such a word? Or is it just passionately to do the right thing? Pa- and passionately to do the, maybe it was and to do the right thing passionately. Maybe that's uh, the, the message of it. And to do the right thing passionately. So yes, don't be afraid. You make a very good point. Don't be afraid to do something just because it's difficult. Difficult is good. Difficult is important. And difficult produces results. Lots of things to think about over here. I don't know what it is, but uh, when when you look for people to share on a Jewish radio station, something for the marketplace, inevitably it's always got to do with food. So while you're thinking about these ideas of Mashiach, Moose has something to share with you as well. Being prepared is half the battle. And Moose Brothers on the Sandringham Strip want to make, want to take care of your dietary needs ahead of Tishabav. So enjoy the legendary Moose macaroni and cheese, tuna lasagna, famous wood-fired pizzas, calzone, and much, much more. For an extra discount of 10%, tell them that you heard about it on Chai FM and share the code message schmooze at Moose. Moose Brothers can be found on the Sandringham Strip, which is 75 George Avenue, Sandringham, Johannesburg. 
Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Yes, uh, Mashiach, definitely. Maybe that's what's getting everybody hungry is all this talk about Mashiach. That's why we have all these food reads that we've got to share. Okay, got it, worked it out. So, yes, we're talking about Mashiach. We're talking about, I'd like to hear what you think. Hopefully you'd like to hear what I think. But I I just want, like, what will it take? What will it take to make this happen? Are we drawing closer or are we shifting further? Uh, Grant says the same thing as the SMS that I just got. Grant says every Jew in the world keeping Shabbat. So can you only imagine? I mean, we know how wonderful the chief rabbi has, uh, the chief rabbi's Shabbos project has been in exactly this to create awareness and create involvement. I, th- I think that's got to count. That's got to count for a tremendous amount in terms of bringing Moshiach closer. What else? What else could we be doing? And how do you know? How do you know if we're drawing closer if we, or if we're moving, shifting further? One of the things that the Talmud says, which is fascinating, and I believe that it's important when we read these predictions, we contextualize that these predictions were written, some of them almost 2,000 years ago, some of them over 3,000 years ago. That's what's fascinating about it. Because if you think about what the world looked like then, the issues that society faced, the, the concerns that they have, that they had, and then you look at what they predicted about the pre-Messianic age, you think, wow, where did they get that from? So one of the things that the Talmud does say, which I believe is extremely relevant, as relevant as the chutzpah thing. Chutzpah is prevalent in our world. Chutzpah is people standing up, Unashamed Lying about anything and everything And expecting the whole world just to buy it That's the ultimate form of chutzpah So one of the other things that the Talmud says About the Messianic age is That truth will become a rare commodity Honesty will become a rare commodity And you could look at that in a political sense And you could say Well every person who gets up there Trying to buy your votes Which is a relatively new phenomenon Right, the concept of elections and votes well, hasn't been around for thousands of years. So they lie. <laughs> I mean, it's not nice to say, right? It's not nice to say. But we know that that's a lot of what happens. Not only does a, a candidate lie in order to get your votes, but they don't necessarily even feel that there's something wrong with it. Maybe in the early days it was a little bit more subtle and people felt a little shemzich. The Talmud says the period before Mashiach, truth, MS, Truth will be a rare commodity. Actually, the word that it uses is it will kind of dissipate, it will kind of dissolve. Here's another thing, and this might be a little closer to home, because this is, it's very easy for us to sit over here and say, oh, those politicians, they are so full of everything. How do you know if a politician is lying? You know, all those jokes that come out. But what about this wonderful or maybe not so wonderful way that we interact today through social media? A lot of that lends itself to being one big lie. I want people to perceive my life in a particular way. So I'm going to choose to share these particular photos. I'm going to choose to share these particular thoughts. That should convince people that I've got a good life. Maybe it will even do more than that. Maybe they'll start to envy the life that I have. So here I am having the most fantastic time. And what am I going to do? Post the best photoshopped version of what's going on. Could actually be that I'm not really enjoying myself so much, but hey, let's tell everybody how wonderful it is. That could very well fit into this concept 
of the dis- the dissolution of truth, one of the signs of the Messianic age. And maybe it goes even a step further than that, because maybe it gets to the point that if you are honest, people don't like it. It's not only that there's a lot of falsehood in our world, a lot of made-for-TV stuff, a lot of getting on the bandwagon of a particular ideology and then flaunting it in the whole world, but not necessarily checking if it has basis or if it's accurate or if it's fair or if it's moral. But then you get the other side of that, which is if you're direct, if you're honest, people don't like it. And certainly, if you're honest about morality and values, people really don't like that. Now, here's the thing. Back in the Talmudic age, Jews were living in a Jewish society. Yes, they were living outside of Israel, predominantly outside of Israel at that time. They were living in Babylon. But the societies that they lived in were mostly Jewish societies. There were very healthy societal structures, communal structures. There was a very healthy respect of the authority, the leadership at that time. And one of the things that the sages then felt was a fear that they had about the pre-Messianic age was that the person who fears sin is the person who will be despised in society. Wow, (laughs) what a great description. What a great description of life in the 21st century. I don't even know if you're allowed to use the word sin anymore. People look at you like, and who are you to tell me what sin is? It's all moral relativism. I feel that this is okay, that this is acceptable, that this is a way that I could behave. And how dare you tell me otherwise? If you had told people literally 50 years ago, maybe even 25 years ago, that that would be the overriding sense of how society works, that people would tell you that you have no view, no opinion, no right to quote something like thousands of years of how society behaved and say that it's actually got value. People would have looked at you like you're crazy. But the sages 2,000 years ago, they saw it coming. I think it's fascinating. I really think it's fascinating. They, they were talking about the concept of somebody who fears sin will be despised in society. And that's where we stand right now. You are not, they, they're taboos. They're a whole bunch of things. You're not allowed to talk about them because it will get the heckles of everybody up. And, and what do you want? It's, you know, it's a, it's a big open society where everybody does whatever it is that they feel works for them. Uh, Here's Monique saying, I think we're on the right track and it shouldn't be too long now. But then puts one of those, uh, what's that emoji called with the wink and the tongue sticking out? I don't know what it's called, but it's basically makes me feel like maybe that was not necessarily her real opinion. (laughs) Um, What else? Linda says, uh, this is in response to the question of what should we be doing to make the Messianic age come quicker. Linda says, respect of all, no belittling. Now, that brings me back to the world that we live in today, and particularly the world of social media, because there is a lot of that. I mean, we all know that bullying, for example, is a big problem in our schools, but we also know that a lot of today's bullying happens online, and there are WhatsApp groups where children bully each other, and there's social media where people make comments about each other very much in the public space, sometimes not mentioning them by name, but making it clear enough that everybody knows who they're talking about. So, yeah, that's a good point about not belittling people. Uh, in today's world, some of the most popular people on YouTube are what they call roasters, which is essentially people who make a channel about putting everybody else down. And that's popular. 
something a little bit weird about that and something a little bit concerning about that. So if you had to ask me, I'm certainly of the view, and I don't think you're overly surprised to hear it, but I'm certainly of the view that if we looked at what was going on in the world today, we would see absolutely that it is all telltale signs of the emergence of the messianic age. I really believe that. And I think that it's just a matter of us being clued up on one of two things. If you don't feel that the world we're living in now is somehow linked to Moshiach, either you don't know enough about what's going on in the world, or you simply just don't know enough about Moshiach. So you've still got a couple of moments if you want to throw something into the mix. Love to hear what you think about that. 34519. Otherwise... The WhatsApp number 0621482374. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Did somebody say 65 rand for fish, chips, and a cold drink? Yes, that's right. 65 rand for fish, chips, and a cold drink at the Open Flame, as well as many other amazing specials for the nine days, including a Thai fish curry bunny and a drink for only 60 bucks. The the Open Flame can be found downstairs in the Kingswood Center, Northfield Avenue. Such a pity that these things come right at the end, but he has a message from Martin. It's quite a heavy message. Uh, he says he feels that we are further away from the Messianic age than we should be and says this. Unfortunately, I feel we will take another hammering before Jews do Teshuvah and be worthy of a savior. Heavy stuff, Martin. Heavy stuff. Does remind me a little bit of something else that the Talmud says. There's a debate between the sages as to what will it take for Mashiach to come. And the one version is that when God decides it's the time, that's it. It's the time. There's nothing you can do to stop the process. There's nothing you can do to interfere. The only thing you can do is speed it up. But you certainly can't wreck God's plan. And when the right time comes, just like the exodus from Egypt, he'll appear, so to speak, and and, and rescue the world. Because remember that from a Jewish perspective, Mashiach is not for the Jews. Mashiach is for the whole world. Then there's another view. The other view says, well, actually what's going to happen is, at the end, the, the Jewish people will do Teshuvah. You hear that? The whole world's waiting for us, eh? The Jewish people will do Teshuvah. The Jewish people will repent. And then Mashiach will come. And if that does not happen, so then that opinion says, then God will send some tyrannical leader who will create such mayhem that the Jewish nation will be forced to do Teshuvah. And I think that's what Martin is alluding to over here. But Martin feels we're really, really not there. And we are not connected as we should. We don't treat each other in the way that we should. We don't have the kind of dedication to God that we should. So there's going to have to be an external catalyst. Something's going to shake our society up. Something's going to get us to do Teshuva. And I wonder, on the back of what Martin is saying, I wonder... If we have to be that, um, what's the word, inept, maybe unfair to use that expression, but do we have to wait for this grand catalyst to come shake us to the core, or can we be insightful enough to say, things are heating up right now, certainly if you look in, in the context of what's going on in Israel, in Jerusalem in particular, things are really heating up. Do we have to wait for it to get bad? Or maybe we could have the kind of insight to say, 
hang on a second. Like I said right at the beginning, things don't happen randomly. We believe absolutely that Hashem controls the world. We believe that God has a plan and what's unfolding in the world around us fits with that plan and that we're supposed to read the world through Jewish lenses, through Torah lenses. We're supposed to read between the lines. And if there's stuff happening in Jerusalem, and it's ugly, whichever way, way you look at it, and the stuff is happening around Tishabav, which is the anniversary of ugly things that happened around Jerusalem, then surely, surely we should be smart enough to say, hang on a second, this is a call just to wake up, connect, do more, connect more with each other, with our heritage, with our Judaism, overlook the extraneous differences that appear to divide us and find the human beings behind those differences where we'll see that we're actually connected. And, and I, I, th- I think if we can do something like that, we'll definitely take the world a step closer. And please God, please God, we should have the opportunity that this Tisha B'Av is not a fast day, but rather a feast day. Rather, it should be a time of goodness for us, for the whole world. I want to wish you a good Shabbos. And please God, not just an easy fast, but please God, no fast.